But I, I got to talk about what just happened and, and the report from about 10 minutes ago that Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan and is going to be the head coach of the Chargers. I'm shocked. Now, I'm not – okay, let's rephrase this a little bit. Let's, I'm going to walk that back a little bit. I don't want you guys to think that I didn't see this coming uh, for the previous three days because it's all that anyone has been talking about for three days now. It, was, it felt like a foregone conclusion once he started taking these interviews, once he interviewed with the Falcons. The part of me that is shocked is the part of me that lived on planet Earth on, let's say, December 26th. December 26th, 2023 me is very shocked that this is the outcome. But uh, I did give myself some outs, okay? Because in talking about Harbaugh, I told you guys, I believe he's a foxhole guy. I'm a foxhole guy, so I relate to foxhole guys. Foxhole guys are the type of guys that if you show if you show them any sense of loyalty at all, they'll be with you until the end of time. That's who I am. If you show me loyalty, I am the most loyal person you are ever going to find. You, if you, if you're loyal to me, I'm the type of person that if you called me up and said, "Hey, Jonathan, if we're if we're really really tight that way, and you've shown me in the past that you'll go to bat for me, you call me up at three in the morning, I got you. I, I'll do I'll do whatever uh, you ask as far as that is concerned within my own means and within my own everything, and uh, that's who I am. So I, that's who I am as a person. If you show me that, I'll show you that until the end of time. I'm convinced Harbaugh is one of those guys too, and I thought Michigan was going to be able to keep Harbaugh on the basis that when everything went down with the NCAA investigation, the man was suspended and uh, one was self-imposed, one wasn't two different times this year, okay? He missed games two different times this year. When everything went down, the first time Michigan had his back was this year. And I think it's because they saw the value in Harbaugh relative to when, you know, they were asking him to take a pay cut as recent as four years ago. They saw the value. When you beat Ohio State three times, when you win Big Ten titles three years in a row, and now when you win the national championship, everyone knows the value. But there was a stretch there where Michigan didn't understand and appreciate what Jim Harbaugh was delivering to him on a day-to-day basis. That is 100% truth. As recently as four years ago, the joke around Jim Harbaugh was that at Michigan, his bowl record was absolute doo-doo. What I wanted to know was if you could move on if you're Harbaugh. Can you feel like the job is finished? And what I told you guys as recently as a month ago was that if he won the title, that was the only way that he was leaving Michigan. You're an Ohio State fan. In a, in a weird way, you almost had to root for Michigan to get the job done because that meant you'd no longer have to face Jim Harbaugh. The early reports was 10 years, $125 million about a month ago as to what he was searching for. I don't know what he settled on. Well, I'll keep you up to date when we do get the number and we figure out everything. But 10 years, $125 million, I don't think the money makes all the difference in the world to someone like Harbaugh, but I bring up the Michigan story and the pay cut for a reason. Clearly, it's a sign of respect. He wants to be paid a big boatload of cash, as he should. As he should. I'm of the belief that being a college head coach right now is better. It's a better job than being an NFL head coach. But Harbaugh's got the secret sauce here, and that Harbaugh's never lost anywhere. So I, I, when we talk about Harbaugh, we have to do it with the understanding that he is different than what we're talking about when you talk about, let's say, 
Matt Rule going to the Panthers. He's just, he's different than when you talk about any college coach making his way up to the NFL because he's already done it, one. But number two, he's won everywhere he's ever been. He won at Stanford. He won in San Francisco. He won in Michigan. And I promise you, with the Chargers, he's going to win with Justin Herbert. I think we all know that. That's kind of just that's written in the stars. Jim Harbaugh is a weirdo, a certified weirdo. He loves uh, all sorts of weird analogies, and I like a weird analogy from time to time too. So who am I to judge? Uh, but he'll he'll talk about the the chickens that he's raising. He'll drink uh, milk with steak. He's a he's an odd cat. He's just a weird dude. But he's a weird dude that knows how to win football games. He's got that absolutely set. Now, if you're a Buckeye fan, boom, I would think you'd be happy, but you're not smiling ear to ear, and I find that to be rather peculiar. I wanted to beat him, JP. I want revenge. Mm. I got revenge on my mind, and now Ohio State <laughs> isn't going to get that chance. And Ohio State's getting loaded up now. You got all sorts of new players added to the mix. Ryan Day seems like, all right, the, the collective is spending a lot of cash. Everything is everything's turning up Buckeyes right now. You're not happy about this? I think they're going to open up a can of whoop-ass on him next year, but I just I would have preferred it came against Harbaugh. You wanted Harbaugh on the sidelines for that, huh? Yeah, I want to see Ryan Day exact revenge after having lost three in a row to the Wolverines with under his tenure. I get it. I 100% get it. It's a great spot for a Buckeye fan to be in if they think that exacting revenge was ever going to come. It's a great spot, and I think there's a lot of confidence built up from Buckeye fans in the previous couple weeks and some of the moves that have been made, I just I find it wild. But again, this is not something that is like earth-shattering news. We've been thinking about this. We've been talking about this. The Chargers have been at the forefront of all the conversations with Jim Harbaugh now, and we it's been two, three days coming. It really has been. It was just a matter of when, and we just happened to get it 15 minutes ago. So it's cool that it kind of broke. It broke right before the show, but it kind of broke during the show. Obviously, uh, you know, I love that anytime you can get that. But I, I think the reality is, is for Ohio State fans, it's not like Michigan's going to have a massive drop-off. Drop You're still going to have to compete with what they can do. Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan on an absolute high. The prodigal son returned home, delivered the goods. And honestly, I thought he was going to end up in Chicago at one point. If we talked about this a month ago, I thought he was going to end up in Chicago so he could follow in the footsteps of Ditka the way he followed in the footsteps of Schembechler. I really thought that was going to be the route that he that he went. And clearly, he liked the idea of Justin Herbert more than he liked the idea of Caleb Williams. More power to him. Congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. How about the Vikings not giving him the job when he tried to go for it previously and then him almost... Think about the turn of events in Harbaugh's life if he lands the Vikings job and then doesn't end up winning the national title, and now in a spot where the Vikings are in a rebuild. It's like a it's like a tank, but it's not a tank. It's one of those type scenarios. They're, they're rebuilding, but they're not rebuilding. They're not full tank. I can't remember the term they used for this offseason. A uh, competitive rebuild. It was, it's not like a crazy term. Competitive rebuild is what they called it, which is like uh, instead of winning 13 games, we win eight or nine. So instead, he wins the national title, and now he gets to coach Justin Herbert and the Chargers. That is absolutely wild to me. That is a that is a great story for someone that is basically, in, in many people's eyes, when you put it in that perspective, you would say he is failing upwards in a lot of ways. So good for Jim Harbaugh. I like this. And I also kind of like the idea. Well, uh, let's play this out for a second. Chargers means... We're going to have some Harbaugh and Harbaugh crime here, aren't we? 
Ooh. All right. So in that division, let's just play with this for a second. In the AFC West, you take on Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh, and then the Raiders just hired a new coach too, but it's not that's not it doesn't have the same uh doesn't have the same cachet to really round this whole thing out. It's uh, Antonio Pierce is the uh, the interim last year. Now he gets like he gets like elevated up. He, he did good last year. He, he won a couple big games, including a game against Kansas City. But that it doesn't come with the same cachet. But those three in that division is that the is that the best coach division in all of the NFL? Name me one better. I, there there are there are landmines in this discussion when you go through it. But there is not a better coach division than the AFC West. Uh, AFC West, excuse me. Between Reed, between Peyton, between Harbaugh, that's that's about as solid as it gets. And for a while, it was always the NFC West when you talked about this. McVay, Shanahan is always great. I do love the idea of what Jonathan Gannon can do and has been doing in Arizona. I think that's fantastic as well. But Pete Carroll stepped aside. And since Pete Carroll stepped aside, I would say the AFC West is harder than the NFC West when it comes to a pure coaching standpoint. NFC North, if it wasn't Eberflus, could have a discussion. O'Connell, Patricia, LaFleur, but Eberflus is the problem there, and O'Connell's not as good in Minnesota to make up the difference for Kansas City, Denver, and Los Angeles. Crazy. If you would have told a month ago me that this was going to happen, I would have said no chance. I would have said Harbaugh stays at Michigan, he, even if he finished the job out, which was the only exception I had to any of those conversations, is that if he won a title, then he was just, that was it. He was done, potentially, and it was what it was. The, the, the odds, though, after Michigan stood by him the way that, that they did, I just didn't see that coming. But he gets bored. You can tell. Every spot, every, every, every stay he's been in, look at the NFL. He wasn't there that long. He gets bored and he likes to move on. This is this is who he is. And I imagine five, six, seven years from now, eight, nine years from now, it's not forever, he's going to get bored of the Chargers and he'll move on as well. The, the, the worry I would have about Harbaugh, and this is the only point that I would concede off and say, if you're the Chargers, you've got a little bit of worry. Only point. Harbaugh becomes incredibly annoying to people. Harbaugh was able to work in college because J.J. McCarthy is able to be there for two years and then he's gone. He's there for two years. Here's all the weird stories. Here's all the wackiness. And then he's just gone. That's just, that's how that works. Uh, you know, you, you get uh, Aiden Hutchinson in there and two and a half years, three years. Great. I get all these hardball stories. And then you're off in the NFL and you don't have to worry about him. You come back every weekend uh, or every uh, weekend that the, the Lions are off. So once a year, you come back to a Michigan game. Harbaugh puts his arm around you and says, hey, how about those memories we made? And that's it. You, you're done with them. It's great. You know, Corum, Edwards, all these guys. You get the same message over and over and over again. It wears on you if it's someone like Jim Harbaugh. That's why I thought Saban would never work in the NFL. Obviously, he didn't work in the NFL, but it's why I never thought he would have a a long-standing career in the NFL if offered the opportunity. He's incredibly annoying to people. He wears on you. He's a demanding individual. He expects perfection, and you can't expect perfection, and you can't be demanding to the pros that way. It just doesn't work. Your message gets old. It gets tired. It gets worn out. It doesn't work the same way. And with Harbaugh, with the Chargers, that's going to be the hurdle he's got to overcome. His message wore out in San Francisco, 
and he had to go back to the college ranks. I worry that in three, four, five years, he doesn't have enough in his arsenal to give you more stuff. And you got some of the same people that have been around that building, same people that have been on that team. Herbert then in year eight will be like, I've, Jim, I, I heard the story about you quarterbacking the Bears until I'm blue in the face. Give me something new. Give me something fresh. I just don't know that he has that. That would be the only hiccup I would have. Let's go out to North Olmstead. Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hotline, Bart Winkler, of course, uh, colleague of mine over there at CBS Sports Radio. He's the new host over there at CBS Sports Radio, 10 o'clock until 2. You hear the 12 to 2 portion right here on 92.3 The Fan. Bart, how's it going tonight? Oh, good. That's usually the first two hours are my professional hours. So you guys get like the loopy, crazy hours. That's good. We like loopy and crazy. Uh, I At least I do. I don't know about everyone else. I do. So uh, thanks for keeping me entertained on my ride home. Uh, uh, Bart, I got to ask you before we get into any of the, the Cavs buck stuff. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, the news just broke, obviously, about a half hour ago. Buckeye fans, I got I got a, like the biggest Buckeye fan in the world running the board for me tonight. He says he wanted revenge on Harbaugh. He's kind of mad that Harbaugh left. Uh, how should people be perceiving this with Harbaugh if you're a, an Ohio State fan? And then we'll go bigger picture after that. Well, geez, if you're an Ohio State fan, I think you're ecstatic, right? I mean, this is, I mean, I, okay, so maybe you want revenge, but you wanted revenge the last couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, now, and now people want to fire Ryan Day because he can't beat Jim Harbaugh. Well, who's the happiest guy right now? Probably Ryan Day. I would think um, so. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I think big picture – this Chargers job was interesting. There were a lot of names floated at it, and we'll see if Harbaugh does well there. But I did not think this job was as attractive as it was pointed out to, to be. I thought there were a lot of people that say, well, that's obviously the most attractive. You got Justin Herbert. Yeah, yeah, you do. Okay, name me another thing. And it's <laughs> like the, the fan base is what it is. The location is, you know, okay, sunny in California. But they've got some salary cap issues they got to deal with. They're wide receivers. They're getting old. They got, I don't know if Austin Eckler's coming back. So I don't know that it's that good of a roster. But I think for a guy like Harbaugh, he gets to kind of shape his roster now. He's got a quarterback, doesn't need to worry about that. So I could see why he might be attracted into this job. I, I don't know that it was the most attractive out there, but certainly for Harbaugh, they're going to give him a lot of money. And he's done everything he can do at the college level. So I can totally see why he's making this move. Yeah, I mean, you get him a franchise quarterback, and then they don't figure the rest out. Is kind of I would imagine the bet is there, Bart. Yeah, I would think so. Again, I don't know that it was the smartest or like the the most attractive job. But if you look at some of these other jobs, like Atlanta, for example, where he's interviewed a couple times, they've got a lot of pieces. But who are you going to get as a quarterback? Are you going to get Kirk Cousins? Are you going to draft the fourth or fifth guy and then have a rebuilding with him? I don't think Harbaugh is coming into the league wanting to, like, take a few years before they're competitive again. So I think he thinks, all right, Justin Herbert's going to be the guy. I'll figure everything else out, and we'll go from there. All right, Bart, let's get to the, the Cavs-Bucks tonight. You Obviously, you have a, a big Milwaukee – you're Milwaukee. When people think you're Wisconsin, that's that's who you are. And so I, I got to ask you first blush before we get into where the Bucks currently are and how they match up tonight is I, I got to say, I, just, I don't hate the Adrian Griffin firing. I really don't. And mainly because it reminds me of what happened here in Cleveland with David Blatt. And then that ended up in a title with Ty Lue as the head coach. Is this the uh, is that the idea behind this? Is that you got ahead of this before you have to? Or is this Giannis maybe entering his LeBron James stage, which is more diva than it is anything else? Well, I think there's a lot at play here. I think the David Black comparison is uh, a good one. And the thing with that one, though, is 
the Cavs won the title. So, I mean, in the moment, it was what's going on. This is crazy. How do you do this? You know, there was reaction from all over. And then they win the title. And then so it's never, like, talked about again in a negative way. But to do that and then win a title, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like that guaranteed that, oh, fire a coach when you're 30 and 10, win a title. But I think the pressure, they put on a lot of pressure now to themselves. Last year, what happened was they faced an eight seed, technically seven, but playing for so they were the eight. And then there were some injuries, and either way, they got they got embarrassed. The Miami Heat had no business beating a lot of those teams, I don't think, in the playoffs, and certainly no business beating the first seed in Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks needed to make a change. So what do you do? They didn't want to trade any of their guys. They didn't want to get rid of any of their core. So okay, coach, we got to get a new coach. They get a new coach in. He's a rookie head coach. Let's see if he can bring a different voice. Well, then guess what else happened that summer? The Bucks somehow got Damian Lillard. So they were looking for a change. They had two agents of change, and I don't know if they knew the first one, if they knew the second one was coming. So now it's a completely different scenario. These guys are hungry. They want to win immediately. Damian Lillard's been looking to win forever, finally in a spot to do that. And then it sounds like from the jump, these players just were not buying in to what Adrian Griffin was selling. And I still thought that this Bucks team, it, they are very talented. There are deficiencies, but they're very talented. I still think, like, the talent can win out. But the problem was they're going to have to outscore teams if they're going to go anywhere, and that's not what they've been known for. And I don't know how sustainable that is in a seven-game series uh, against anybody when you can do matchups and all this stuff. So they needed to make a change. They were very coy tonight in the press conference about any Doc Rivers stuff. Hmm. I don't see any scenario in which it's not Doc Rivers. Uh, Doc Rivers, now he's known for playoff failures. I don't know if he's had a roster with these kind of closers before, and there's been a lot of injuries, you know, in some of his series. So I think it's – I'm surprised still. Uh, I think it sucks for Adrian Griffin, but this is what the Bucs want. They want titles. This was a franchise for so long that, you know, they were content to win the eighth seed. And that was it. And maybe get two games of playoff gate revenue. They want championships. And I do think this puts a lot of pressure on Giannis. This puts a lot of pressure on Dame and, and Chris Middleton. Because if they didn't win the title this year, who gets, who gets the blame? The first-year head coach, Adrian Griffin. Mm-hmm. But now if you essentially mutiny them out of there, who gets the blame? Giannis Adetokounmpo. So this is a, this is a major like thing that has happened and will kind of define and set the course for what Giannis's legacy and the rest of his career ends up being and ends up looking like. Art Winkler joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. You hear him on CBS Sports Radio. He's on after my show ends, 12 to 2. He's on 10 to 2 the entire night, but uh, 12 to 2 right here on 92.3 The Fan. Bart, let me ask you then. I, I kind of hinted at the idea of Giannis kind of morphing into this version of LeBron James where he kind of demands a little bit more, he requests a little bit more. Uh, do you see that, or is that something that – maybe I'm making a little bit too big of a deal of. No, I think there's certainly a lot of, you know, what Giannis wants uh, is kind of at play here. I mean, his brother is on the team and Mm -hmm. has been on the team forever. And uh, there's a lot of guys that are on the team that, you know, they've got good relationships with him. He wants to win and he's committed to winning. And I think what the Bucks are looking at is, look, they kind of lucked into this, this whole thing. I mean, LeBron James coming out, Number one overall. We knew what he was going to be. The Bucks get Giannis. I still think like they cheated off the Atlanta Hawks paper. Like the Hawks did a little more scouting on Giannis, and somehow he came here. Then he gets this good. Then he like is 
uh, good enough guy that he's just like, no, I want to stay here. He's somebody he likes this city. You know, there's all these pressures on the outside. He realizes he doesn't need all the big city lights to like get the entrepreneurship and everything he wants and businesses. So he's made this his home. And I still think the Bucks look at this, and I think a lot of Bucks fans do. I think I do that. It's like I can't believe the team I root for has this guy because for so long the Bucks never had anything like this. So I still think that their primary focus these last couple of years has been keep Giannis here. You want to win a championship, but that's just part of the main goal, which is keep Giannis here. So if you have to hire a coach he likes better than another one, you do it. If you want to make a trade for Damian Lillard, you do it. If you want to extend Chris Middleton, you do it. I do think that there's a lot of desire to keep Giannis here. I don't know that I would say diva. Um, I do think he's hyper-competitive. He's told the franchise, I want to win. Let's do whatever it takes to win. The franchise, I think, buys into that. But I think they realize what they have, and they realize that once he's gone, this level of success that they're having, it's going to not come back again for a while. So they got to do everything they can to sustain it and to try to win as much as they can. And, again, that's what makes this move so interesting is when they got Damian Lillard, I thought, okay, give this guy a couple years. You know, maybe the first year it doesn't work on a rookie head coach. But the Bucks now have this sense of urgency that really has been hyper-aggressive from everything I've ever seen from them, where they were willing to fire a coach at 30, 30 and 13, and they mean business. So now they're going to have to, like they wanted this move, and now they're going to have to go out and start winning some games and go very far, if not all the way in the playoffs, to justify everything that's happened so far. All right, now you're doing the national show. You're in uh, you know, network radio for five days a week now. You're, you're into it, so I can ask you comfortably, uh, before we get to brownies and other stuff Cleveland-related uh, with the Cavs, uh, does Donovan Mitchell stay here long-term? And remember, everyone, that like is, I, everyone that's listening to this is going to be your 12-2 crew as well. So if, you want, if I want to lead the jury here and you want to butter me up, uh, we're more than open to that here. I just feel like everything that I've seen and read seems like he wants to unless – I mean, there you know better than me. There but we I, go, Bart. There we go. I, look, of everything I've seen and read, which could be a lot, could be a little. Um, <laughs> I would almost be more surprised at this point if he like left. I think what they're doing in Cleveland is is good. I think the problem with the East right now is there are three dynamic teams. Look, I, I, I was stupid enough at the beginning of the year, and I'll admit it, to say like the Sixers should just scrap things because it's not working there. They can't get to a conference finals. It's the Bucks and the Celtics. You're not going to get past them. But I was wrong, so they're in a top three. You got all these other teams jockeying for uh, the fourth spot, whether it's the Knicks or the Cavs or the Pacers, a little bit whoever. And I don't know that any of them get past them with their current iterations. So I think, but I think, but I think they're all like a, a move or two away. So from what I know, which is way less than you <laughs> and you guys, uh, it seems like he'll say, but. Do not save the soundbite for any occasion. All right, we can burn the tape. It's all right. Uh, the, really, the only thing that really does matter is your opinion on the Browns and what you think the Browns are going to be able to do following this last year where they go 11-5. and five. They end up in the postseason but get blown out against Houston. Are you a are you a believer in Deshaun Watson and the Browns and Stefanski, or are, do you need to see a little bit more? I am a believer in Stefanski. I'm a believer in the Browns. I'm a believer in maybe 52 of the guys on that roster, I just don't know that you're going to get the Deshaun Watson that they paid for. 
Um, and what Joe Flacco did was tremendous. I really, I, my pick to win the Super Bowl was Baltimore, with the caveat that if somehow the Browns go there, I think I think the Browns would have got them. That would have been crazy. Um, so that's a bummer. But I just feel like the Browns right now are so well put together, but they have this quarterback that I don't even know. I don't even know under what circumstance he lives up to the money that he's making. And that, that, that I mean, that's fine in other sports, but not when it takes up such a high percentage of the salary cap and he's got to get back to at least like i mean top 12 this there was a period where deshaun watson was 1a to 1b to patrick mahomes there was a stretch there one of his texan seasons he was just he was doing everything and it was so good and unfortunately i don't know that that guy's still there i know he had that comeback against baltimore and there's moments where it looks like it's there but then joe flacco just stepping in off his couch and leading this team as well as he did. Like, I believe in the Browns. I think they've got a real good roster. I believe in their coaching staff. I just, until you figure out what is up with Deshaun Watson, and there's no way out, too. I mean, and there's no way out. This is your guy. You, what are you going to do, bring back Joe Flacco and bench Deshaun Watson? That's nah, not happening. This, this is your guy. So, I mean, you got to figure it out. If they do, look out, but I just, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that that Deshaun Watson exists anymore. All right, we'll be checking you out. CBS Sports Radio, weeknights 10 to 2. Obviously, here on 92.3 The Fan, though, it's on uh, 12 to 2. When I get done with my show, Bart comes on, and that's the magic of radio. Bart, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes and the great insight. Uh, we'll be listening. Thank you. Yeah, I'll check in with you at some point, too. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Bart Winkler right there of CBS Sports Radio joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. As recently as a month ago, we were having the discussion about him wanting 10 years for $125 million. So the number does matter in this equation. What is your price to leave your alma mater, the school that you went to, the place that you care the most about, uh, the prodigal son that returned home and then delivered the goods, was actually able to win a title, the second title they've had in 70 years, the first since 97? How much does that cost? I mean, he'll always be a legend there. He's going to get a statue. You win a you win a, a national title, you get a statue. This is how this works. He's always going to be decorated and thought of fondly. How much is that worth? Now, there is another part of me that is wondering if he hit his apex and is wondering if he's just getting out when the getting's good. It's like selling your stock at the absolute highest point. It makes a lot of sense if you're Harbaugh to look at this and say, I did the best I could. I'm never achieving any better. Ohio State, if this is an arms race, is right behind me. The college football playoff is expanding. We're doing 12 teams next year instead of four. So it makes it that much harder to win if you're one of the top teams because more teams are involved, and this is how this works. I don't know. I might have just looked around and been like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm fine. I guess this is uh, I, I, I guess this is as good as it's going to get. I don't need to do this anymore. Let's keep moving. I also wonder how much of the NIL world – came into this equation as well because Michigan retained 83% of their players. This is a massive number. Retained everybody and anybody from one year to the next. It's really hard to do. And his tagline on all that and the message that he had was that he really wasn't going to pay for the NIL. He was going to try to retain players though. And that's where the NIL was going to come into play. So like he'd give JJ McCarthy a bunch of money to make sure JJ McCarthy didn't transfer and he stayed there. He gave, Corum a bunch of money to make sure Corum stayed there. That was his philosophy. It's a little bit different than everybody else's. A little bit different. All right. 
if we get a number on that, a financial number, uh, I'll let you guys know and I'll get into it. I, I you know, I did a whole Cavs thing and it was it was awesome to have Bart on. I want you guys to listen to Bart twelve to two. Uh, right after this show is done here on 92.3 The Fan, Bart is on on CBS Sports Radio. Very hard to launch a network show, I would imagine. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you, you support him, appreciate him, give him us a few minutes, and I'm sure we'll have him on sometime in the future as well. But I, I just, I'm thinking about tonight's game, and I'm thinking about what this means for the Cavs, and I find it, I find it fascinating that I'm enjoying this Cavs run, but I have to be honest, it does kind of feel like, as fun as it is, it is empty calories at the end of the day. It's not filling in the way that it would be if we did this while involving Mobley and did this while involving Darius Garland. I mean, there's a reason why I personally can't say they're contenders. Why I can't say right now they have this massive deep postseason run in them. And maybe they do down the line, but I, I got to see with Mobley. I got to see with Garland. I got to see with these other guys. It, it is perfectly comped out to what we just saw with the Browns and Flacco. It's a fun ride, but you can't put much stock in it because it's not how the team is going to be set up when they make their runs in the future. And for the Cavs, that means the postseason. The product's high. I'm not mad at it. I'm not going to yell about being uh, you know, in a situation where you're taking down teams left and right that aren't necessarily world beaters, or when you do beat the Bucs, it's without Giannis. But how am I supposed to get excited for something I know is coming to an end? That's the problem I have. And I want your input on this, 216-474-0092. That's the problem I have in trying to get excited even for tonight's game. I would love to sit here and put on the wine and gold glasses and cheer and rah-rah. And I will. I mean, I will. And we'll talk about it when the game gets done as well. If they take down Giannis as six-and-a-half-point dogs, when Milwaukee right now is transitioning from a mid-season firing of their coach to then now bring in Doc Rivers, you heard Bard's voice. He's ecstatic that they got someone like Doc Rivers to come to this team. If you take down the Bucks in this moment, I think it says a lot, but I think it says more about what potentially you have to do when Darius does get back and when Evan Mobley does get back. Because if you start beating some of these really good teams, some of the teams we think are some of the best in the NBA – when you start taking them down, then we have to have actual conversations attached to the idea that when Darius gets back and even when Mobley gets back, J.B. Bickerstaff has to do a lot of work. And he's got to try to figure out what the right combination of players are to try to make this whole thing gel. I mean, Sam Merrill's so good, I forgot that I used to call him Sam Morrell like the comedian. That's how good this man has been. He's been a crazy. He's crazy talented. What do we do with him? He is shooting threes right now at a pace that would put him at the best in the NBA. What do we do with the fact that Sam Merrill's turned into Steph Curry? Most people would be like, oh, well, that's the good problems, Marlo Stanfield. You, you suck it up. You enjoy the fact that a 27-year-old all of a sudden morphed into whatever version of the Splash Brothers you prefer, and you just ride that wave. I don't know that they ride that wave. I don't know what they do. It's not like he's shooting a million threes a game, so let's not get too crazy, but the percentages are crazy high in this stretch. Lima had the stat earlier today. In the in the stretch that Sam Merrill's on, nobody's done it in NBA history better than when he's done it from three-point land. That's why people want to put him in the, the three-point competition. He himself said he wants to go to the golf course instead, which a golfer myself, I am. I, I can't really blame him, but I did yell at him for it. I said, Sam, come on. Golf will be there in the offseason. 
if you win the three-point competition, if you win that, that's like the first line in your obituary. You can accomplish nothing else in life. But if you win the three-point contest, which might not mean a lot to a lot of people, it's a big deal, though. It's a big deal in your life. Way more than uh, playing Pebble Beach, which will be there three months from now, the way it'll be there 30 years from now. You can you can play the three-point competition. I know, it's more work. I never sign people up for more work. But in this scenario, I'll sign you up for more work, Sam. But what do you do in this scenario? Do you tell Darius Garland, a man that is averaging 20 and 6, to take a back seat to Sam Merrill? Can you, can you possibly fathom that? This is the job that JB has. This is what's going to be really tough. And JB, if you want to sit on my shoulders and call yourself tall, go ahead. I don't know how you stumbled into this situation, but it might just save your job. He was on a collision course with the unemployment line unless they figured out how to get shooting in here. And it looks like they got shooting in here. But the real test and what we'll be able to judge JB on, and I think this is going to be fascinating, is trying to figure out what he does in balancing out Garland and then balancing out Mobley. Does he send Mobley out for more three-pointers? Because we've been watching that experiment for two years. It hasn't worked. I don't know that it's ever going to work, but it hasn't worked. They're 8 and 1 in January, they're 8 and 5 in December. They're 13 and 3 since December 16th, which is the best record in the NBA. And as far as their defense against opposing teams, averaging 107 a game in that stretch is also the best in the NBA as well. They are doing it defensively, they are doing it offensively, and they're making everything click. Highest point differential in the NBA in that stretch as well. Everything they're doing says that they're being a top team. They're being that contender that we want to talk about. But how do you rationalize it when you're doing it without Mobley and Garland? How do you look at this? It's very, very similar. It's eerily similar to what we just went through with Joe Flacco in so many different ways. Joe Flacco lights up the the, the town. He's throwing for 300-yard games. You're winning a bunch of games. You're feeling good about yourself. All that matters, though, is what really happens in the future. How, you, you can't take Joe Flacco to the bank now. We, we did Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. That experiment is over. What do you do when Darius and Evan Mobley want to come back to this team and make their presence known? How do you balance that out? We've gotten a lot of production from a lot of guys that you wouldn't have expected us to get production from. How do you, how do you tell them, sorry, uh, you're just keeping the seat warm? Hey, uh, but in that same breath, how do you tell Darius Garland he's getting Wally pipped by a 27-year-old nobody in the NBA had ever heard of a year ago? His parents barely knew he played basketball a year ago, and now all of a sudden he's like this crazy, talented three-point shooter. It's, uh, it's wild. It's absolutely wild to me. I love it for him. It's great for the Cavs, but this is a, this is a crazy development. More crazy than me getting his name right after like three months of play. Sam Morrell is the comedian that I got obsessed with, and I love him. And I'm like, yeah, Sam Merrill, Sam Morrell, Sam Merrill. It's so close. 216-474-092. But this is a massive game tonight. There's no other way around it. I, I can't wait to find out what happens. But if they continue to win and then they beat some of these good teams like Milwaukee, guess what, guys? We have to have actual conversations about what the Cavs do moving forward. How do they do this rotation? How do they figure out the minutes? Because you can't go back to what you were when you were Evan Mobley, Darius, Jarrett, and Donovan and act like that's just okay because that wasn't okay. Darius had never turned the ball over more. His three-point percentage had never been less in his NBA career. Like you, you can't go back to that completely. 
do you do? That's why JB gets paid the big bucks. I don't know that he has a great answer, but that's why he's going to get, and that's why he gets paid the big bucks. His coaching, his job, his everything is going to be hinged on that answer right there alone. How do you replicate the success of what this team has been doing and then be able to have that success while also having Darius in there and having Mobley in there as well? It's going to be fascinating to find out. There's no doubt about that one. All right, 216-474-92. Let's move away from that. Miles Garrett wins the Pro Football Writers Association Defensive Player of the Year Award. Are we sure the defense can replicate what they were this season, next season? 216-474-92. We got the fan focus at 9. We got Kevin Spencer joining us at 10 o'clock off the beaten path later on as well. A ton to get to. On a beautiful Wednesday. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan.